Hello and welcome to another episode of Bridging the Gap. Hopefully you and your family and everybody you know is doing well, staying healthy um, and enjoying yourselves, enjoying life as it is right now and hopefully making the most of it. Here on Bridging the Gap, we're excited to have you for the next few minutes and and talking about something that is really uh, top of mind to many people in uh, in the financial advisory world. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I think that there's a few things and in, in introspections that I've made uh, regarding this topic that I, I'm excited to share and also some action items that I think are going to be really, really relevant to uh, to any firm out there, whether you're a financial advisory firm, whether you work in a financial advisory firm or you sell to financial advisory firms. I think that you'll be able to find some value here. Just to reemphasize bridging the gap, we are looking to help the industry the financial advisory industry bridge the gap between where we have been as an industry and where we believe the business is going into the future. We want to ensure we stay up as an industry with the trends, both investment management-wise, process management-wise, best practices, technology, etc., to stay up with the innovation and ultimately evolve our business to ensure that we are able to continuously deliver the best possible experience for our clients in the years to come. And you know, I come from this industry being a, a financial advisor, helping to build two different wealth management firms. And I wanted to take that experience along with helping to build a technology company for financial advisors and use that experience because I've sat in the same seats of advisors and create a voice in a community that strives to create a positive future change in continued progression with the advisor and client advisor relationship in mind. And there's no better way to create a community of advisors and industry professionals uh, that are sharing thoughts, views, and ideas from within the industry than to actually start talking and start creating ideas and start having people collaborate. And some people are going to agree with all of our ideas here on Bridging the Gap, and some are not, and that's okay. But ultimately, to create a really strong community is to create differentiated insights and, and viewpoints. And hopefully, Bridging the Gap is just one small step in the in the journey to creating that community uh, to have the voice heard and to collaborate and to, to see other sides and also to create positive change uh, for the the advisor and the advisor-client relationship. And, and that's what I hope you take away. I, I hope after every episode of Bridging the Gap that you're able to take away one or two things. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's an idea that reshapes how you approach the client-advisor relationship or how you approach building your financial advisory firm. Or it's something that you can actually go tactically implement. And, and better your firm and test out. And maybe it's an idea that you're like, well, I just was thinking about it, but maybe I never knew how to do it. And I hope that maybe you're able to take some of those away from bridging the gap here. And you know, I think that before we get into this topic is you know, community is benefited by multiple opinions, right? I'm sitting here talking to everybody today, but I also want to create conversation around it. And the best way to create conversation and to and to create you know thought provoking ideas and collaboration is to build that community. And the way to build community creates with getting more people involved and uh, you know more listeners um, and more people reading blogs and watching videos and all of this stuff that we do here at Bridging the Gap and MattReiner.com. And so uh, you know our goal is to create positive and innovative change for the industry together. So please like this podcast, follow us on whatever your podcasting app may be, subscribe to the podcast, follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. I put a ton of video content out, written content, this podcast, of course, and let's start creating and building this community together. 
from people that are inside this industry as opposed to outsiders telling us how to run our industry. Let's run it together and build a better, more forward-thinking, progressive uh, industry together. So follow us, like us on the podcast, uh, like us on Twitter and LinkedIn, follow me on LinkedIn, Matt Reiner, uh, and look forward to continue to build this community together. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, COVID-19 created a lot of change and there was a lot of cracks in some of the structure and made us create a unique or different foundation. And you look at a lot of um, major names out there, mainly technology names like Twitter and Facebook, et cetera, and Google. And a lot of the news, and I was reading it recently again, uh, was about their work policy. And they are going to be fully remote. You can work fully remote. And their employees tend to be loving it. They can go work from wherever. They can travel around. And they're closing down offices. I mean, REI had just built this massive new headquarters. That's not even a technology company. They built a massive new headquarters. And they're selling it. They're not even coming back to work in the office. And they're selling their uh, their headquarters because they're going to have a remote policy for their for their headquartered employees. In Twitter, this article was talking about going remote fully. And they were talking about the pros and cons and, and what led them to that decision and, and what their employees like about it and what the management likes about it, etc. And it was it's a it's a it's a trend that's happening. And and I think that there was a trend already beyond behind uh, more flexible work schedules. But because of what COVID did with everybody having to be in the house and kids not going to school, they were, we were forced to have a remote policy and we were forced to, to, to innovate how we worked and collaborated together. And what we have found is that, yes, it's different. Some things are good. Some things are bad. But all together, we've shown that we have an ability to push forward as a business being remote. And we've, we've had to change and stretch and evolve as people and as management and as leaders and as employees, et cetera, to this, but we've we've pushed forward. And it hasn't been as bad as we thought. We were always so hesitant to do it because we're like, well, especially in our industry, it's a relationship business. We gotta be everybody nine to five in the office. That's just the way it's gotta be. We gotta be wearing, you know, button ups and slacks and everything of that nature. And now what we're seeing is that these other industries are starting to embrace this remote policy. And then they're now starting to see all these companies that were doing remote work prior to COVID that are coming out and saying how they were able to build the culture that they have and that they had a great culture and they were able to progress their businesses. And it's brought this whole work policy idea to the surface. And uh, you know, I've been on many calls with large RIAs across the country, asking them what they're doing. And everybody's trying to figure it out. This is a hot topic for leadership teams within the financial advisory industry. And so what is our industry going to do? And I, I believe, I think after all these conversations, I think I have an idea of, of where we may go and what my belief is of what this industry will look like from a work policy standpoint when we get back to what we are going to deem as normal, which will be new relative to what it was pre-COVID. And so I think it's good to start with, what did I learn from COVID? I took a look at what I liked and didn't like about remote policy and, and, and remote work. And you know, I have always kind of worked a little bit remote before. So you have to understand that, that, that I've done that before just because of my roles in our companies. I was able to and, uh, and I figured it out. But you know, there's a few things that really stood out from this period of time that were, were on the really good side of remote work. And, and I think that it starts with more time for knowledge work, right? This is like that steep, deep strategic thinking type work. And this was the, you know, for, for a lot of financial advisors, 
what we do in terms of helping families plan and, and retire and build their wealth, there's a ton of thought that goes into it. Yes, you have meetings, but you know, in, in reality, we have to spend a lot of time kind of figuring out what's the right plan of action. How do we navigate these challenges that they have, these big debt payments that they have to make, you know, paying off their house, you know, someone losing a job? How do we help plan and navigate? Yes, there's software out there that can help that, but we have to be able to comprehend it, understand it, and then explain it to the client. That takes a lot of thought of how do we, you know, do that and manage that uh, for each individual family based on their personalities and their desires and their their fears. And so what COVID meant when we were at home was what I found my my day-to-day doing was I had a lot more time to deep think knowledge thinking, right? On strategic aspects of all of our businesses. And also, you know, with some clients that I still manage, I was able to really think deeper about them and set up, you know, even deeper plans and more insight, more thoughtful behind them because I didn't have, I was able to control communications, which is another major positive here. I wasn't having people come in my office. I was able to control, you know, phone calls coming in. Meetings were over, you know, Zoom as opposed to in person, which tended to be shorter. So I had some more time to find these larger blocks that I could focus on knowledge work. And that was really important. And that's something I don't want to ever lose because I I think back to pre-COVID and how fast I was moving and how things were just kind of running around and you're trying to just, you know, kind of keep all the plates spinning and, and everything of that nature. And finding knowledge time was maybe done on the plane, but you're always flying and doing work on the plane just to catch up, uh, emails, et cetera. And so this now has allowed for us to simplify a little bit and have more knowledge center. And you know, I think that that controlling the conversations and having that knowledge work time or that deep strategic thinking time allows for all of us to have more umph behind our thoughts and our decisions, more thoughtfulness, more, more clarity, more ability to communicate it to others, whether it's our teams or our clients uh, than we have in the past because we were all moving so fast. I think that a major aspect of this that we can all agree on is commute, right? I was spending an hour and a half, you know, an hour, an hour and a half and, you know, in the car both ways uh, because, you know, I wanted to get home and have some family time, got to get into work early, but traffic, et cetera, in Atlanta. And so now, as opposed to getting in the office at 8.30 or 9, I'm able to walk downstairs and start working at, you know, 7.30, 8.00 as opposed to 8.39. And I'm able to get ahead of myself, uh, get ahead of the day, have some more thoughtful time, um, Get knock some things out, feel accomplished, and able then to have a really really productive day because nine to you know four may be blocked with meetings. I'm able to get a lot more done, so I'm not rushing into the office to catch my nine o'clock meeting and sitting in the car for an hour and not ability not having an ability to really kind of plan out my day, you know, work through a few things, accomplish, check some things off the task list, and go forward. And that's been a really kind of just a motivator of of feeling good and and mo- both mentally and physically. Uh, from that standpoint, you know, I think that what it also has done is is it's pushed you know the teams that I work with and I manage and my clients forward faster, right? I think that this is something that we've read in all these articles uh, across the board, but it's pushed us forward faster in adopting new ways of thinking and doing business, right? Anything about video conferencing, this was one of those things that we that some people did, some people didn't do, and it was just something that was fast forwarded to adoption because it was forced upon us. And I think that if you look at video conferencing, right? It's innovative in what some advisors are doing because we were always worried about what our clients thought about it as in terms of the relationship that it was going to, to, to kind of 
build? Is it the right relationship? This is a person, human to human relationship. I want to shake their hand, give them a hug, eye to eye contact and video conference doesn't allow for that. And what we've seen over the COVID period of time is that we can actually do that on video and it's actually more efficient time. It's not as time draining, right? Our clients don't have to drive into the office, sit in our waiting room, come into our office, then go drive home. They're able to do it right from their home with their cup of coffee and their and spouses are able to be around a little bit more. Uh, and you're able to be more efficient. And so it's not necessarily two hours of meetings. It could be 45 minutes of meetings. And that at that time adds up to go to the t- first thing of being able to do more knowledge work and strategic, deep thinking that's needed. And the other thing is, is that you have webinars, these group webinars that many advisors are doing is how can I now look at my clients and say, all right, here are the ones that you know I may need to talk to, maybe because of their their, their portfolio performance, or maybe because of their age, or maybe because of what they're holding and how that's reacted in the markets. And I'm able to send out these like mass webinars to clients and be able to have one conversation with 30 clients at one time for one hour, answer all their questions, provide a, a little bit of a deck, prepare for it for maybe two hours, and record it and send it back out. And now I've communicated and I've been proactive. And it's a new way for people to start communicating. It's more adopted now than ever, clients are accepting of it. And you know what? Clients were accepting of it prior, but we just didn't understand or believe it. And now we do. And I think that that's been a really good thing. Less travel. I think that that's a big thing, right? Travel um, tends to be a, a big a big thing for advisors traveling to conferences, traveling uh, to meetings with, other, you know, with, with our bigger clients or whatever it may be. It leads to a better work-life balance. And this has led to, you know, for me personally, less anxiety and a better overall mental health. And, and that is... Yeah, that's something that's a personal thing. And maybe not everybody has anxiety or has challenges with mental health or whatever it may be. But if you if you are able to reduce anxiety and have this better balance, whatever it is that you want, family and work or or work, family and play, whatever it may be, and you're able to create that better balance, that is better for you mentally. And having a better, you know, mental state of mind as an advisor is better for your clients, is better for your employees, it's better overall. And, um, and I think that that is a huge win, right? Being able to find that balance. And, you know, that's a big thing that, that, that this era, this time has, has led to is I think that I tell everybody, it's led everybody to simplify their life and slow down. And if there's anything that comes out of this, right? A lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people have lost their lives. A lot of families and businesses have been impacted by this. But what this period of time the COVID period of time showed us is that it slowed everything down for people and it simplified our lives. Prior to COVID, we were all running a thousand miles an hour. We had very complex lives. We were doing 15,000 different things and we just were running and we didn't sit back and say, you know what? We don't need all of this stuff. We don't need to complicate our lives. We can actually live on and be very you know, efficient and, and feel very happy simplistically. And that's what's happened, I think, over this period of time. And I think that that is an amazing takeaway that we all need to think about for just ourselves and also for our employees, because I'm sure that many employees may not tell you that, but it's reality, right? When you have a more flexible and you have more ability to do, you know, yes, work is a passion for many people, but when you're also able to, to, to blend that with other things that you love and have passion about families, you know, social, et cetera, it's a beautiful thing. And so, you know, I think that, that, that ability to slow down and simplify and helping us see um, what is important, right? More important to invest in building the foundational elements or, or just to continue to add on top of the foundation with growth and pushing foundational needs to the side. And what I mean by that is slowing down and simplifying allowed us to really focus on, you know, what is important, right? 
what was important for us as a financial advisor in this time was we needed to figure out how to communicate effectively and proactively with our clients. And that was what our focus was. All this other stuff that we were doing day in and day out prior to COVID that was taking up our time wasn't important anymore. And we need to focus on our clients and doing what's right by them and focus on our employees and keeping them safe. And that's what was important. Nothing else mattered at that point. And that's such a beautiful thing because what we've now realized is we've been doing that for a period of time. When you're in COVID, you've been doing that for a period of time. Now there's no looking back. It's like, well, what was I doing pre-COVID? Like, is that really important? Like my time needs to be focused on this because this is what's important. And that's what I'm saying about resetting the foundation. So now we have this really solid foundation and now we're able to start continuing to add on to this amazing house of our firm and our client success uh, based on this more solid foundation. It's not it's not many times in, in your life or in your professional life that you have an opportunity to reset where everything kind of stops and you have an ability to reset. That doesn't happen often because usually you have to go and you have to kind of, you know, you have to change the engine oil while the car is still going or, or change the tires or whatever it may be, right? Whatever the same may be, you have to do it while it's in motion. And we were able to stop and reset. And those that did, found a lot of benefit and we have a lot of opportunity to, to, to use those lessons even going forward. Um, and I think that, you know, what the last few points are, you know, the delegation of, of time, right? We were, we became better at delegating, at least I did, because I needed other help to continue to push forward. Like, uh, you know, it wasn't just on, on me and, and being able to, because I now was focused on what was most important, I wasn't fear. I wasn't worried about all the periphery, right? We were able to delegate and say, Hey, you know, let's just go. This is what we need to get to. Go and find us a way to get there. And because I was able to do deeper strategic thinking, I had a better clarity of what we needed to do. So I was able to better communicate that to teams and clients and everything of that nature to help get everything moving forward faster. You know, more time to prepare for meetings. Like th- that's a big thing. We we spend maybe forty five minutes on meetings, but what about you know some prep work before so we can have a really effective and valuable meeting uh, for our clients? That's been a really big thing. And I think that the um, you know, the biggest thing is, is it's led to more communication, right? We've been forced to find ways to communicate with our employees because we don't have the ability just to walk down the hall and say, hello, what's up? How are you doing? What about this? And walk down their hallway. We had to find ways to communicate. So now, you know, for instance, me and my business partners, we meet three days a week. We never met as a group, really. We, maybe once a quarter we would meet, but it was always just like I would meet with one of my business partners and another business partner. And then if we had to have an annual meeting, which we did every year, we'd meet on an annual basis. Now we're meeting three days a week and we have more clarity together than ever before. We have more communication. We have better understanding of each other. And then our teams, we weren't meeting with our teams in each of our businesses. We were meeting quarterly for quarterly reviews or maybe monthly at most for some of my businesses. But what we've done now is now we're meeting weekly, at least weekly and having huddles. And now we have better tightness and connection as a team because of that. So we've been forced to have these, you know, go outside the box because in the past it was like, well, I just don't have time for more meetings. I don't want any more meetings. And then now we're like, we have to have meetings so we can continue to communicate. And what we found is it's been truly effective at pushing and communicating visions forward more effectively. And that's a beautiful thing. And so there's a lot of good that has come from this, right? And I think that that's something that we have to look at. But there's also been some bad, right? I think that there's also been some challenges. That spontaneous creativity has been impacted, right? That is a major challenge. I can't just walk down the hall, hear a conversation, go in, add in my my two cents and create something spontaneously with that. And that's a challenge, right? That's something that is hard to replicate via Zoom calls or team calls or whatever it may be. 
Um, and so that is a challenge that we have to overcome and we have to figure out how to do that. Human interaction, right? Just those side chats about learning about people's lives and what's going on in their lives and you know, seeing their and hearing about their kids growing up. We're losing that a little bit, right? How do we continue to add that? That's been a challenge. You know, I think that there's also been what's been bad is that, you know, as much as anxiety has been reduced, there's been this uncomfortableness of it all, right? There's uncertainty. We we don't know really what's going on, the information that, you know, how are people actually feeling, right? We're not asking everybody how they're feeling. We're basing our decisions on on income, you know, not complete data and complete data. And it's hard and it's uncomfortable and it's uncertain and that's not fun, right? It's not fun for the markets. It's not fun for clients, you know, and, and we have to show confidence and conviction behind our, our beliefs and have a really big thought behind it. And yes, the knowledge time helps, but let's just be real, right? Let's just not be blind to it, that it's all been uncomfortable. Um, and I think that the connection with the team, right? You know, yes, we have meetings, we have better communication with the team. And, um, you know, I think that there's times of worry that what about the culture, right? What about our, our, our firm culture? Like, this is what our culture was before where we were all hanging out, but now our culture is different. And is that bad or is that good, right? That goes to that uncertainty. Like, should we just do the same thing or what happens if we change? Change is difficult. Change is uncertain. We don't want to rock the boat as financial advisors. And so culture is something that's been impacted. And so is there a way to build a culture um, with you know more remote work? And, and I think that there is, but that's definitely a, a challenge. And, and having a finger on the pulse of everything that's going on, right? You know, again, you're not able just to walk down to XYZ's office or Joe or Mary's office and say, hey, have you done this for XYZ client or where are we at with this, right? You have to type on the Teams or Slack or call them on video, whatever it may be. So it's a little bit different. It's uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes it though leads to, you know, maybe you thinking through the question. Do I need to ask this question? Can I go look at it somewhere else? Um, whereas we would just rely on just going down there and doing it and moving on, which may not be the best thing or most productive thing for all of our team members. Maybe it's best for us, but not productive for everybody else. You know, larger collaboration on Zoom isn't as effective, right? So if you have like a team of five or six leaders, it's hard to have those whiteboarding sessions on Zoom. Yes, they have the whiteboarding option and you can add in your iPad and start drawing, but it's just a little bit different. And, you know, people are always talking over each other. We haven't gotten Zoom etiquette yet. Raising the hand is just now starting and trying to figure that out. Um, it's been, has been a challenge. And then you also look at, you know, our older clients, the education gap for, for older clients. You know, if you send them a Zoom link, they, they're trying to download it on their phone. They, they don't know if they have the software on their computer. There's just an education gap that tends to go, right? But for the majority of clients, it's been okay. But there is, you know, some frustration that can be caused by some clients. And um, and, and that's, a, that's the challenge, right? So big collaboration, the education gap, culture, I think is what wraps up most of this, right? Is that is the biggest worry with remote work is how do we continue to sustain a, um, our longer term culture? And that's, what's really unclear. And you know, you know, the, the bad is on, on talent development. Like what does this all mean to talent development? That's been one of the really challenges is, you know, if you hired someone new, how do you get them to understand the, the way we do business in our firm? How do you help them grow without having someone one-to-one -one working with them and showing them and communicating with them? And it takes a lot more time doing it remote than it does in person. Um, and, and so that's a, that's a big challenge. And, and I think that a lot of people have been faced with, with new business, right? New business growth is difficult because we're not able to, you know, go out and socialize and have dinners and drinks and coffee and lunch and work with our COIs and our referrals. And, 
um, you know, it's been a different way of having to think about growing our business. And so, you know, what is the impact on remote work longer term? How do we evolve that and change that um, and get that going? And so there, there are a ton of challenges or rough spots within, you know, remote work. There's a lot of good, there's many bad things. And so we just have to figure out what is it going to look like going forward. And I, I really think it's going to be, you know, it's, it's about five, six, seven steps, right? Uh, of what it is. You can break it down however you want. And I think that first is, is, is this idea screen time isn't just for kids. More and more client meetings are going to be held via Zoom. And what that means is that you're not going to have maybe, how I see it is that your first or second meetings with prospects or new clients, right? So your first, second, and third meetings are likely still going to be in person because that allows you to establish the human-to-human interaction and relationship. And you have those ability to, to create that connection in person. I think that that is still really important. And I don't think that this pendulum moves one way or the other, right? You don't go all in person or all remote. I think it's a hybrid. And so I see that the meetings with clients and prospects is going to be that broken out that way. You're going to have your first through third meetings with new prospects and new clients in person, build that relationship. And then once they sign up, you know, your next three, four, five meetings are going to happen likely over Zoom. And you likely won't have in-person meetings with you know your established clients, but every maybe two or three years, you have one every two or three years. And what that does is that creates efficiency in time to allow you to grow your book, spend more time on your current clients, and also deepen that knowledge you know, time that you had to think strategically both on your business and on your clients. I think that that's something that's really, really valuable. I think that flexibility is something that will be earned. Advisors that are, are newer are probably going to um, are going to probably have to be in the office, right? That goes to that training idea, right? If you're a new employee, you're likely going to have to be in the office to, to help, you know, to do their, your training. You're not going to be able to work remote. You're probably going to have to be in there for a couple of years to understand kind of what is the MO of that business? Like what is the infrastructure of it? And then you may have some ability to have some flexibility uh, with your schedule and work remote a little bit more. But I think that new employees, younger employees that are growing, uh, and learning are going to have to be in the office, which then leads to the third point is that you're going to have to have leadership in the office at times, not all of leadership at one time, but you're going to have to have pieces of leadership at the time so that the new employees and the younger employees continue to get the understanding of what this firm is about, right? There's going to have to be more communication about it, more visualizing of this. And that employee, that man, leadership team is going to have to be in the office to help instill that into the the newer and younger employees. And, and that's going to help, the, help, help them develop, help them figure out how to interact, uh, understand their clients, uh, everything of that nature. And, you know, the, the, other, the other aspect is that, you know, I, I see a lot of these operation roles starting to find and be hired across the country. I don't think that you're going to see all of operations in headquarters anymore. I think what this does is you're going to be hiring operations, maybe client service associates or managers or, or compliance teams uh, or operation staff members, behind back office members. You're going to be finding them and hiring them across the country uh, because maybe you're in Atlanta or New York City or California and, and, and salary levels are high and you can find someone in you know Kansas City or Indianapolis and maybe their salary and cost of living is lower. So you can find, you know, very high quality people at a better cost. And you're able now to do this more remotely uh, with them. And so you're going to start seeing that the operations team is going to be kind of structured outside of the uh, the headquarters, uh, which is not a bad thing. I think you're going to see integration of technology to help them better communicate and better streamline the process and standardize the process as well, which is going to be really beneficial. Now, the challenge with that is now you're going to have more demand for people in these areas that may not have seen more demand, 
right? So some of these smaller cities may not have had such demand for financial advice, uh, advisory firm talent. And now firms from New York and Atlanta and LA are going to be coming in and, and, and trying to compete for that, which means supply is probably going to stay relatively you know, the same across the states. Supply for an Atlanta firm is going to jump because now they have access to the entire country. But what that means is it's going to just cause you know maybe some price pressure. Maybe it's going to cause some challenges for other firms that are in that city. Which means that if you're not looking outside of your own you know your own state borders or your own city limits, you might you you really should because that's what's going to start happening. I think that something that's going to be adopted by advisors going forward is this idea of clustering, and clustering is going to boost productivity. And what I mean by clustering is that advisory firms are going to encourage their advisors to cluster all of their in-person meetings. So if they have you know, the, that, that first meeting with a new prospect or that second planning meeting with a new client, they're going to cluster those on a few simple days, as opposed to right now, how advisors book is like, just book me on any day, whatever it may be, I'll come in. So you may have one meeting at 9 a.m. on Tuesday and then another meeting at 3 p.m. on Wednesday and another one at 10 a.m. on Thursday, right? So you have three meetings. And what's going to happen is, is that to create ultimate efficiency and flexibility, advisors are going to be more keen and aware to their meetings. And so they're going to start clustering it. So instead of having three meetings across three different days, you can have all of your meetings on Tuesday. So you can have the 9 a.m., an 11 a.m., and a 3 p.m., right? And so now you can work remotely on Monday and remotely on Thursday, spend time, you know, really deep strategic thinking on Monday to prepare for your meetings on Tuesday, as opposed to having to spend time on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for that strategic time. You're able to focus it there. You have your meetings on Tuesday. You're able to follow up do all of your follow-up material and necessary stuff on Wednesday. And Thursday and Friday, you have strategic planning to grow your business, right? More of this idea of clustering, whether it's one day, two day, or three day, it doesn't matter. But this concept is going to evolve in our industry post-COVID. It's going to become more and more known and utilized within financial advisors. And I think that the, the, the kind of the elephant in the room is office space, right? Hoteling is going to be more commonplace in the financial advisory world. There is no need to go and continue to get more and more real estate for financial advisors, given what we have learned during the COVID pandemic. We have seen that we have an ability to work remotely. We have the ability to be efficient remotely. We have the ability to serve our clients in a really, really great way remotely. And so this idea of having to have you know, 10,000, 15,000 square feet of office space is going to become more and more uncommon. And hoteling is going to be the idea where you're going to be able to, you know, link up your schedule to a hoteling app to be able to um, to be able to um, uh, schedule your rooms because you know you have a meeting, so you schedule the meeting, and it's going to book you a, a room. It's going to be very personalized and friendly and warm for your clients to come into. And you're going to have this idea of hoteling. And if you want to go into the office, you can go into the app and 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 lock up a room for you or or, or a desk for you uh, for a couple of hours or for the entire day. But this is going to cause us to be able to have more, less space and more flexibility based on what's going on in the environment. And that's a beautiful thing. So this idea of hoteling is going to become more and more commonplace for financial advisors. And so that's how I think it's going to come, right? You're going to have more um, you know, meetings via Zoom and, and video. Uh, maybe not your first couple meetings, but your ongoing existing clients. Your younger talent's still going to be in the office. And leadership is going to be in and out. There's going to be a rotation of leadership to help instill the values and the vision and the mission of the business into these new and younger employees. And, you, and your operations team is going to start being spread out, be more remote. There's going to be more people. We're going to have more hiring outside of our city limits and state borders as well. Clustering is going to be a productive productivity mechanism uh, that we're going to be able to utilize as financial advisors 
to cluster our meetings to get more time for growth, business growth and knowledge time, strategic and thinking, deep thinking for our clients and for our business. And hoteling is going to become commonplace. And so that's what we're going to see, I think, in, in, in the industry as we continue to uh, to move forward. And this is all going to be you know, benefited based off of thought and processes and technology. All of that is going to, to happen more and more uh, over time. And, and I think that it's going to evolve the business that way. And so I'll wrap up with this. I think that many of you are probably listening to this and saying, yeah, this makes sense. But you know, we're still relationship business. We aren't tech companies. We're in the relationship business. And um, and, and, you know, and you need to be in person to build relationships and, and that's the business we're in. So Matt, I love what you're saying, but it just isn't for us in our industry. It's not going to happen. And I don't disagree with the statement that we are in the relationship business and we aren't tech companies and that we need to have human to human interaction, uh, for relationships. Um, but where I do disagree is that if you think that once things settle down, that we should all just go back to the quote unquote way it was, then I believe you're missing the mark. Financial advisors may not be tech companies. And we, yes, we are relationship companies, but our employees are observant individuals. They're smart. They're observant. They see what's going on in regards to work policies across the country. They see what's going on at Twitter and Facebook and, 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 and Google and all these companies there. And they're going to be looking the leadership in their financial advisory firm to see what they do. And if they do nothing, if they do nothing, that will be a strong sign towards the fact that the leadership isn't open to change and learning from ongoing events. Maybe these employees, you know, they, they see that and they just kind of push it to the side. Maybe, maybe they don't leave right away. But over time, trust me, it is going to weigh on them as they continue to see other financial advisory firms that do adopt this and do have this forward way of thinking and culture of learning and, and way of evolving based on all these ideas. They're going to start seeing that where cultures are expanded because firms have invested into, yeah, maybe we're not all in the office, but we all spend time with each other every week out of different events, whether it's a learning event or it's a um, it's a social event, whatever it may be. And they're going to start seeing that and say, well, I want to go over there. And so we're already starting to see attrition in this business, right? The most recent Schwab benchmarking study showed that over 60% of firms with over $250 million in AUM saw attrition. And the average attrition was two people leaving. That means that there's two spots to fill. You either fill it with efficiencies and technologies, or you have to go hire more people. And hiring is difficult and it's only going to get more difficult, right? Demand is moving higher, right? More people are coming into your backyard to hire. Um, more people, there's firms that are growing. You have these aggregators and these large RAs that are growing and investing money in it. Supply of quality talent is still low and, and, and it's showing signs of growing, but it's still relatively low supply. And thus, if you don't do something here and show your team that you have a culture of a learn, culture of learning, culture of adopting and being open-minded, then you may soon be tasked more with human resource issues than growth opportunities. And all it means is that you have to take a, take a seat, take a time out, and really focus on how can I evolve my work policy to ensure that not only are my employees happy, they're, they're, com they're comfortable, they're doing sophisticated work, and that it's innovative and that we're learning and evolving and that for this, that we're also able to focus on our clients and delivering a great client experience and do all of this while continuing to ensure growth and profitability, et cetera. If you don't take that time to pause and really think about that and evolve what the way that you had been doing it, I believe that you're going to be set with looking at your firm in 10 years and saying, I wish I would have done more in that period of pause that we had with the COVID pandemic. And when it comes to work policy, this is an easy one that we can tackle, push forward on and innovate with and still be a growing 
profitable, valuable firm to our clients going forward. So that's what I see with the work policy going forward. And, and I hope that you found something of value, maybe a little bit of a nugget, nugget or something to think about as you go and um, implement new work policies for your firm going forward. So if you enjoy this, please comment, send me emails and, and go and follow and subscribe to our podcast. I really appreciate you spending this time with me. It is, I am indebted to you for that. And thank you so much. And here's to us all pushing our industry forward faster in an innovative way. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. The